Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg. It's Friday, and I'm joined on the line by Hamel Javeri. Hamel, how are you? I'm good. It is a very rainy, rainy day in D.C. Wait, for real? It's like beautiful and sunny here in New York. Oh, no. It is pissing down rain here, and my phone's blown up with, like, emergency storm. Oh, you're getting the flash flood thing. I love when that happens. You ever have that happen in a public place? Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like everybody jumps because it's like so loud and so and like and like the whole room all gets it at the same place because at the same time because everybody has iPhones. I actually got it in my car on my way into the office and I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? Because my phone wouldn't stop. Right. Like it was and I had no idea what it was until I I looked at it and I was like, "Okay, it (laughs) feels it feels like and like I get why it's important to warn people about like flash floods. And it happened in, in Arizona for me with a sandstorm. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the one. That was the memorable That's one where, cool. where I was yeah. in a coffee shop and like everybody in the coffee shop got the same thing. Uh, but a lot of times it feels like those things are like a little bit like the Weather Channel, where they're just like, it's like, do I really need like this like all like balls out like super loud siren warning about the rain? Yeah, this one was emergency flood watch, and it said you know stay away from flood prone areas but like i am in the middle of like suburban northern virginia right there's not a lot of flooding yeah it's hilly here, just go so. uphill you'll be all right yeah there's the, it was very uh it felt a little overly cautious like a hurricane bearing down on your city i could take that i would like that i would probably know already but it doesn't hurt to have the reminder but if it's just gonna rain a lot i will yeah. figure that out when i look out the window and then i'll be I like can't... oh time to cover the patio furniture I can't wait until we start getting these for, like, really crazy scenarios, like zombie apocalypse right. like, kind of stuff. Like, beware, herd of zombies moving in your area. Yeah, I mean, it's coming. The crazy scenarios, they're coming. We're not going to talk about it, but... No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but civilization as we know it, who knows? Really. Uh, we've got <laughs> it's que- a toss-up. <laughs> we've got questions from the internet. Um, and I want to start with one because you're going to be – you're going to think – so a lot of these are hypotheticals, which you hate. Mm, which um, I hate. But they're not terrible. They're not like super hypothetical. And I, I feel like there's one or two decent questions. This one, has, this one has a good ho- topical hook because it's from, it's from Michael Tomaselli, who's I hate haters on Twitter. Um, oh, and what I, a good handle. I, he wants to know the most underrated player ever in any sport. And I have a feeling that this is a topical question. Is it a topical question because it's about sports or because we're talking about certain players? Um, Well, so Adrian Beltre, who is a baseball player that very few people really know about, is on the cusp of 3,000 hits. I think he's sitting on 2,996 as we speak on on Friday. And Beltre, I think, has uh, a case to be known as, uh, you know, I don't know if it's, it's hard for me to speak to players outside of mm-hmm. baseball, mostly because mm-hmm. if someone is underrated as a basketball player all time, uh, I'm not sure I can speak to that. Like, I, I, w- I wouldn't even know, you know, like I might not know that guy then. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling, if, based on the stats I've seen, that Shaq is actually a really underrated ba- basketball player. But Shaq oh, is also uh, like, what? Shaq what is also under- like, a, oh, Shaq was like, so, so from what I understand of like, current basketball stats Shaq right. was like a top five player of all time and I don't know that people really talk about them like he was just such a pres- 
presence on the court whenever he played that he had a larger factor in the game than just his points and rebounds might have indicated. But I don't, again, like, I can't speak enough to basketball stats or anything like that to say for sure. So for me, it has to sort of exist within baseball, or most of it does. Uh, and Beltre, I think, is, uh, like again, I said, on the cusp of 3,000 hits, which is he'll be a Hall of Famer. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, but he has only been to four All-Star games, which is very strange for someone as good as he has been and for, uh, who has been this good for so long. Uh, he might be the second best defensive third baseman of all time. He's definitely the best defensive player of his era. Uh, sort of similar to Albert Pujols in terms of career value, but I feel like everyone knows who Albert Pujols is. Like, if I mm-hmm. if I were to ask my mom who's Albert Pujols, she would know Albert Pujols. And if I were to ask my mom who's Adrian Beltre, there's not a chance she would know who she's ever heard of exactly. Adrian Beltre. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my problem, so, but but I don't, like, I, I feel like there's a lot of baseball fans, myself included, who get that about Adrian Beltre and don't underrate him and say, like, well, this is a generational player who happens to have sort of spread his production out over a long enough time and didn't have this extra extraordinary peak, and people kind of missed it, and it sort of crept up on us, but we get it. Like, I, I don't, so I don't know that you can say he's over, he's underrated for everyone, and I think that the that's like sort of the tricky thing about overrated, underrated is like, I would say even that Derek Jeter to many people is, is the most overrated player of all time. Like many, many baseball fans overrate Derek Jeter more than any other player, but there's another set set of baseball fans to whom Derek Jeter might be underrated because they're looking at the stats and, and, uh, and saying, well, no, he's not as good as Adrian Beltre, for example. And, and, uh, and I think like I'm someone who probably tends to underrate Derek Jeter, uh, who accomplished every single thing anyone could ever want to accomplish in sports. Um, and there's, uh, top of my head, uh, Jim Tomei, I think is over underrated. Mike Messina was underrated. Uh, Dick Allen is a classic one, a, a guy who played for the Phillies in the in the 70s and 80s. But I think, and I thought about this, I think the most underrated athlete of all time is Ken Jennings. And I think we've spoken about this on the on the show before. Yeah, I think you have, right? Um. So, but I looked this up. So Ken Jennings won 74 straight Jeopardy games, right? And <laughs> at 74 straight, which is nuts. At the right. time he did it. It was he started in 2004, and they had only changed the rule in 2003 um, to allow people to continue past five games. Before 2003, you if you won five games, that was it. You would come back for the tournament cha- tournament of champions, mm-hmm. but you didn't keep going. So when Jennings did it, I don't know that people grasped how incredible it was to win 74 straight games, even though it was, you know, it did become a phenomenon. It was such a new thing that Jeopardy! contestants could go on forever that you're like, well, maybe a lot of these dudes would have done it, or maybe, you know, a lot of these people would have done it. Uh, And then in the 13 years since, the next closest, the next longest run is 20 games. So Jennings won 54 more games than the next best Jeopardy contestant of the last 15 years. And I think that that is not a feat we discuss enough. (laughs) But he's okay. but you're kind of I understand that's in the spirit of the question, but that is very uh, that he's not an athlete. (laughs) Oh, I think Jeopardy counts as sports. Oh God! I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big, big picture not, sports guy. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm why not? not? Getting into this because Mind you, sports. Yeah, I'm not getting into this conversation with you. Okay. Because then, it's going to take forever, and 
it, it to me it's just like it's not sports. I mean, it's, it's a podcast, it's a Hamill. Show. It's for dialogue. We're supposed I mean, to be talking about just, stuff. You can is, take it up. <laughs> I'm just saying that Jeopardy is not sports. It's not a sport. That's it. They don't period. typically sweat. Yeah, it's a quiz show. Like it's qualified <laughs> as a whole other thing. I like, guess that's true. I guess sports. that's true. Um, <laughs> and I would say, like, okay, like just the definition of what words mean. So I'll say not sports, and he's not an athlete. It's I a remarkable say, feat. Yes. The most underrated competitor of all time is Ken Jennings. Okay, he's not. Yeah, he's not. That's that's that's. I think. Much, I mean, maybe he's also a really underrated athlete. Like for all we know, Ken Jennings can dunk. I mean, Ken Jennings is underratedly hilarious. Like he's very funny. Oh and yeah, I he's think great. yeah. Like he's I think a, that such he's, a good Jeopardy contestant. Like he was he yeah. was trolling Trebek by the end, but like not in an obnoxious way. Like the way Buzzy did it. Like he was like Jennings was funny, and like he was the good guy, and Trebek was the bad guy, and it lasted for like two years. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, 74, he was basically, like, a regular. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, he, he was, was just part the... of their staff at that point. And he won, like, almost two years. I wish I could see this. I don't know the stats on this, but it felt like, so, you know, like, they when they finished Double Jeopardy, if a candidate has more than twice as much as everyone else, as any other candidate, then the uh, contestant, then they call that a runaway because there's no possible way uh, final right, Jeopardy will matter. Right. Will matter. Right. And it felt like, like, 95% of his wins were runaways. Like, no one was even coming close to Ken Jennings in Jeopardy, and that was mm-hmm. dope. I completely agree. Um, I think that was a very weird segue, but I will back you up 100% that Ken Jennings is pretty dope. Okay. Well, well then who's the most underrated athlete if it's not Ken Jennings? What? Are you talking to me? Yeah, like, I'm talking to you. Just like, well, no. Ooh, there's just, no one else here. Why are you, wait, why are you being- <laughs> So confrontational about like me saying that Ken Jennings is not. I'm an I'm athlete. sorry. I, I I said that I said that I I I said that the wrong way. So Hemel, who then? I mean, if you me, if I mean, you I'm disagree that it's Ken Jennings, who pray tell would you say? Who Ken would you Jennings. say is only, the most underrated athlete? I do disagree, but only because I don't think Ken Jennings is an athlete. He's okay. very good at trivia. Well, we'll send it to him. We'll send athlete. him the podcast. Um, I think, I don't know, I, I was saying hockey, you know, there's too many, like, role players that are underrated because you can't really measure their output in terms of stats. Like, for a lot of people, like you were talking about um, Derek Jeter and, and big-name guys who, like, or even Shaq, like, who might actually be underrated, Um one of the players that falls into that is Jonathan Taves, who, when you look at his stats, is really, like, he's good, but he doesn't, and he's, like, the captain of the Blackhawks and stuff like that, but he's one of those players that does so many different things on the ice that is really hard to measure in terms of, like, statistics and goals that he becomes underrated, right? Like, he had a really crappy start of last season, but he made it to the All-Star game anyway, and a lot of people were really upset that he made it because he just had not been playing well. But uh, he wasn't playing well in terms of, like, goal scored and, you know, all the traditional metrics. Um, mm-hmm. But because he is, like, such a leader on the ice and has that kind of reputation, that that's basically why they voted him in. That's why reporters or whoever like voted him into the game. So he's one of those players to me that is underrated. I don't think he's going to be underrated like in terms of his career, right? He's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. But there's you're still going to have pockets of people that think that he's overrated. Um, 
Right, and that's why it's out- that's why it's complicated. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's complicated. To me, they're like, it's hard to pick one from. God, I'm trying to think. Like, there's a lot of there's so many role player guys, right? Like, I would say Corey Crawford is another player from the Blackhawks who doesn't get the respect he deserves because everyone thinks that you know he didn't show up when it actually counted. But for so many games, the Blackhawks, like, he's really carried the Blackhawks. Yeah, uh, I think Andre a good Flurry, way. I think that's a like, really goalies are goalies are are basically at the top of that list. I would, yeah, I would say a really good way to get underrated, to be underrated, is to just not happen to have your best performances in the postseason. Yes, that's a really good definition. Like, my Marc-Andre Fleury, he got, during this run, right, he shined for the Pittsburgh Penguins, like, when it mattered in the early games, and then he had one or two bad games, and he got pulled um, and that was the last, those were the last games he'll ever play for Pittsburgh, right? The, the backup, their backup goalie, Matt Murray is in, and now is a new franchise goalie. Um, but he's going to be remembered for the times that he wasn't able to like cut it in those games when there's so many games that he did show up. Right. Right. So, yeah. So I feel, I feel like that's, un, that's a, like my barometer because otherwise there's tons of guys that do great, like role play work. Um, but they're going to be basically invisible for for so much of their careers. I mean, there's a, a a good example, and and we'll move on to the next question. But another good example from from baseball, and it's a crazy thing to think about in retrospect. But uh, Ted Williams, during his playing career, mm-hmm. was someone that was just beat up all the time in Boston, and like the Boston press hated the guy and said he didn't come through in the clutch and said he, you know, why yeah. why did you never win a championship, Ted Williams? And he was, yeah. he was on these terrible teams, and he was one of the greatest hitters, you know, if not the greatest hitter of all time. Not to mention, like, a war hero two times over and the greatest fly fisherman of all time. And <laughs> uh, and if you read stuff from when he was actually playing, it's it's a lot of people, you know, beating him up for, you know, caring too much about his own stats. And, like, all these mm-hmm. sort of traditional uh, baseball criticisms that, that stick to guys who don't happen to have one big, memorable World Series performance. And so, uh, Williams, not now. Now everybody knows he was the best. But uh, I think at his time might have been the most underrated player ever. Oh, okay. That's a that's a good example. Um, next one. Uh, this comes from our man at CTAR, Michael Donato. And he wants to know the most captivating book you've read recently. Um, do you want to go first? We got or... no food questions. I'm, and I could not be happier about that. <laughs> I know. I, I, it's really weird. No, that's um, not true, actually. There's one food question. Chris Perone asked oh, that's right. vaguely related Taco Bell question. Well, he asked like six questions. We'll get to those. <laughs> he, did, he did. We'll, um, we'll get to those. Some we'll of which have I have no answers for. Um, yeah, some of them which I don't understand. <laughs> so I am currently in the midst of Infinite Jest. Do you, oh, my God. Um, right. So it was just, it was, so first of all, I tend to, um, I usually, I don't have a Kindle. I like reading mm-hmm. books in Same. paperback form. Uh, and, and so, because, and like, if I'm not taking a book out from the library, if I'm purchasing a book, I favor long books just for the mm-hmm. sake, because I know I'm going to read something every night. And I, and so I'll go for long books just because then I don't have to buy another book. Um, and so, and, and, and you know, there's these things called libraries, right? Yeah, no, we have libraries near me. Uh, the libraries. I don't know. They they tend to not have like a great selection of contemporary right, right. fiction, you know. So, and that's usually what I like. And I um 
I, I, I can't – so I've been reading it. I'm like 300 pages deep now, but I've been mm-hmm. reading it. It's so dense, and like the – it's not only is it a 1,000 pages long, but mm-hmm. the print is tiny, and the margins are small. And so I think I've been reading it for like four months, and I'm only like 300 pages deep. Uh, so I can't say that there's a more captivating book I've been rec- reading recently, but I will say that I feel that this book may be – Overrated. Um, I'm 300 pages deep, and it feels like he hasn't really gotten anywhere yet. Like, I get that, I mean, Dave Foster Wallace, incredible writer. Really, right. really, really good at, like, I, I, you know, as a writer myself, I feel dumb criticizing him uh, because, like, his essays, his nonfiction stuff is some of my favorite it's stuff that's ever written. Yeah. yeah. Um, but. This I've I I of his novels I've read because I read his uh, the Broom of the System which I guess he also didn't like and and I thought was just bad and mm-hmm. Infinite Jest I don't know I'm it's there's elements of it that are cool and like I feel like it's going to get cool but at the same time I don't know that I feel like uh, okay excusing someone who takes three hundred pages to get like even to the beginning of the plot you know so I, yeah. Um, that's like one of those movies that's three and a half hours long. Like it doesn't need to be this long. Get an editor. So I think that that brings up exactly the point that uh, I was kind of thinking, and you've kind of helped me articulate it better. So I'm, so I've got two books, and I'm not going to say the the question's interesting because it's like captivating, right? Like I'm reading these books, and they're very good, but it's been a long time since I've like read a book that's just so good. I want to push everything else off my plate and just like I can't think about anything else except, oh my God, I need to finish like figure out what happens next in this book. Um, I'm reading this is gonna make me sound like an idiot, but I'm reading Moby Dick on my phone because it's free. <laughs> Um, no, that's awesome. I mean, it's great. Moby Dick's a great book. That's a great book. It's, it's like, long reads. It, yeah. Yeah. It's like, like, like we said, long reads. And so my thing that I started doing when I was in India is that I just started downloading like the iBooks, like whatever was free on iBooks, because if you pull out a book, like in the middle of a family gathering, like people are going to think that you're kind of an asshole. Right. But <laughs> if I'm just staring at my phone, like everybody else, like no problems. Uh, so I started doing it. So wait, so wait, so wait. So you're at family gatherings pretending you're just like checking your, your text messages and you're reading Moby Dick. I mean, yeah, it's because I was in India and you know, it's like, especially with the time difference, like there's, you know, you can only spend so much time on social media and we had a lot of like, you go from one place to another place and I'm like sitting with a bunch of family members that like I loved dearly, but don't need but can't really like socialize with that. Like, hopefully don't hours. listen to your podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, come on. I mean, everybody's on their phones and that's totally fine. But if I pulled out a book, like I would be such an antisocial. Yeah. Video, right? Yeah. So I just read on my phone um, and it just like avoids so many different complications. How are you enjoying Moby Dick? So I really like it, except there's so much nautical there's so many nautical words in there that are like relevant to the plot that I have to like keep stopping every three pages and like Google something. I'm like, uh, I, I have no idea what this means. Yeah, um, it is. It is dense. It is is very dense, and I really enjoy it. Um, but again, it's like I've been working on it for for like six months or four months at this point, and I'm about one fourth of the way through. Uh, I'm also rereading The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. That was a good book. Because yeah, I, I picked it up randomly and i feel the same way that you do about infinite jest like when i first read it i was like oh this book is amazing and i love it and i still really really like it but on the second read i see a lot of like 
there's just, it's very long and there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, does this really need to be in there? Um, but that might just be coming from like a newspaper mentality where I just want people to get to the point very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of have that with like, like with the, with Infinite Jest because he'll have these, these paragraphs that are like three pages long and you're yeah. like, bro, like, come on, like you can't, yeah. you can't have a, that, a paragraph that long because I mean, I'm in, I'm in the writing for the internet mode where you're like, yes. uh, if your paragraph's more than three sentences, someone's going to get mad. They're not going to, they're going to stop reading. And it's like, David Foster Wallace, what are you doing? Like, how dare you? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> obviously Michael Chabon is a phenomenal writer and he's, you know, using his words to like really paint a picture, but he spends long periods of time describing things that just are in the end, not relevant to the right. plot. And I'm just like, I, I would have preferred other things. So yeah. If- yeah. And I'm this, on the second read, I'm really noticing like, like as an editor where I would have been like, no, I wouldn't do this. And I actually would like more of this. And that's the thing. And that's a tough thing with novels is cause like yeah. prose is novels are meant to be sort of sprawling and like to right. like these like sort of examinations of the prose form. But sometimes it's like, well, why, why do we need this Proust? Like, why do we need this whole bit about the <laughs> Madeline? Uh, I don't, you know, and, and uh, I don't know. I find, yeah, like the, some, a lot of times I kind of want, kind of want editing you know unless unless like mm-hmm. every sentence is gorgeous and and necessary it does get a little frustrating uh what is my sister read um crap now i can't remember the name um underground railroad is that what it's called that sounds that is a book is that's a book right i think she read that and she said that that was phenomenal and like every sentence was just like perfectly constructed so i think that's next on my list um i will throw a shout out if we're talking about like particularly captivating books the the thing that mm-hmm. that come when you because you talked about like a book you couldn't put da- put down yeah um and it's a it's a couple of years ago i read this but there's a book called this side of brightness by colin mccann uh mm-hmm. it's about uh which is a this is a real thing that i had no idea about until i read this book but then the book uh made me sort of read more about it there are people there are like it's super sad i mean and the book is like outrageously sad like just like the like it it will destroy you and like the book was it was so good and so sad that like there were times i had to like stop and like breathe a little bit um but it's about the it it is partly about um there are people who like live in tunnels beneath new york city like people who like set up camps in the subway tunnels and in abandoned subway tunnels and just sort of like live their lives they call them mole people like that's how they live and they only come up like late at night to forage for food and then go back and a lot of the book is about this and i guess he really did like go talk to these people and meet these people uh in in producing this book and it i mean it's an it's an incredible book like I, there's nothing i is could it, say that could do it justice but it's real good is it fiction yeah it's fiction it's it's okay. fiction it's like a it's a story so it's it's and it's like one of i tend to go for like the the I guess you'd call it like postmodern fiction where they're like jumping mm-hmm. in time and jumping between narratives. And so it's like there are uh, parallel narratives and you don't know at the beginning how they're connected about uh, people building the subway tunnels and then people living in the subway tunnels. Ooh, that's um, very interesting. Yeah, I might it's put super that on cool. my list, but. I I tend to stay away from just like devastating stuff. <laughs> oh, this is so devastating. Oh, it is God. like it is like sadness porn. It's like the saddest thing. 
Uh, yeah, you're not. You're not. I mean, you're. It sounds like a great book, but that it's is kind of so good, though. It's like so good. I don't know. I don't. I yeah. I don't want it, but I don't want to be an emotional wreck after I've I've finished it. Um, I didn't finish feeling like an emotional wreck. I finished feeling like uh, mostly just pure, like unspeakable envy of the talent of the writer to be oh, able yeah. to put together this book. It was just like, I, I, yeah, like I would love to write a book. I can't do this. You know, like I couldn't do this. Yeah. Um, so screw that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Next question uh, comes from Chris Perone, the aforementioned Chris Perone, our coworker. Uh, coworker, he, publisher, boss. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know. We're, we're not egalitarian here. Guy clearly above us on the food chain at USA. Clear. Sports, um, whose questions we should obviously take for this podcast, um, <laughs> and, and or good. Um, he, uh, it's this isn't really a question; it's just got an exclamation point. Taco Bell Lift drive-through partnership. Do you know about this? I I've I've read the headlines, which is that they'll stop by Taco Bell if you want them to. Yes, there's now a okay. lift, so it will be, and it will be like an automated thing, and in in uh, places that where it's set up, where like when you hook up, when you get your lift driver, when you order your lift, uh, it will say like, "Do you want to stop at Taco Bell?" <laughs> and you can be like, "Yes," and then I'll just take you to Taco Bell on the way back to wherever you're going. And that sounds like such a good idea it is an incredible idea there's no downside to this like i i get i you know you could be cynical about the corporate partnership there and i understand concerns people have about uh, drive sharing like especially here in new york they've basically eliminated like what how uber was and now uber is just professional livery cab drivers who who mm-hmm. operate uber that's that's how they had to do it that's fine uh it's all very complicated uh, I don't, we don't need to get into that but in terms of like user experience yes please take me to taco bell <laughs> like yes like 100 percent of the time and there is like basically no time that my phone could prompt me like hey do you want to go to taco bell and i'd be like no I would go to Taco Bell so much more if somebody else was going to do the driving. We right? don't have a real, we don't have a very convenient Taco Bell to us. And if I'm driving my own car and it's late at night, I probably just want to get home, even if I'm hungry. But if I'm in an Uber, a hundred percent, I would like, I'd be like, yes, let's do this. That's just, it's brilliant. Well, so the other part of it is that a lot of places, and and this isn't like a concern for me as much in the city because like my local Taco Bells don't even have drive-throughs. But mm-hmm. a lot of places, the drive-through will close way after the dining room, and so yes. your yeah. only option to get the food is to go in a drive-thru and if you don't have a car like if you're on foot then you're just out of luck you know and and so like i have actually this is i don't know if this is embarrassing to admit but like at a crispy cream in in california i believe i like paid someone coming through the drive-thru just to get me donuts because they wouldn't give me donuts like because i couldn't walk up um so like yeah if i could just call an uber and or a lyft and have them take me right through the drive-thru and just to like they could just leave me at the other end of the drive-thru and i would be fine (laughs) i just need access to that food and i'm willing to pay a few dollars extra because i don't have a car wherever i am i agree with that 100 percent. i in terms of like uh you know, uh, exploitative corporate partnerships. I actually think this one is is not really as bad as it could be. Oh, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm I'm obviously a huge Taco Bell defender and apologist, but like they don't. I don't know. I've and maybe I'm biased because I've met a lot of people who work at Taco Bell at this point. They generally seem like pretty good people, you know. And like Taco Bell, like they give out a lot of scholarships. They do a lot mm-hmm. of like they do a lot of like fairly decent things by corporate standards. I agree. I think they're they're doing what they can. Yeah, I mean they're trying to court millennial interest in their brand, you know. And you gotta <laughs> uh, you gotta do some stuff. He also wants to know uh, first half MVPs in baseball. I assume because it's first half. That's the the end of the first. It's just that just ended. Ah, uh, I uh, d- I did not understand that abbreviation. I'm glad you did. Um, I would say uh, Aaron Judge was clearly the first half MVP in the American League. Uh, National League a little tougher just because there are so many Nationals having great seasons. So you could say like probably Bryce Harper, but. Uh, it depends on how you'd if you want to say like oh well would the would he get the voting I don't know because there might the Nationals like he might split the vote with Ryan Zimmerman who had a great first half and Anthony Rendon who had a great first half mm-hmm. uh, whereas Cody Bellinger on the Dodgers was like head and shoulders best player on the Dodgers in the first half so I think that uh, I don't know I think you would say it would be Harper or Bellinger. Okay. I don't have an opinion on this. I go. I will absolutely go with you. Uh, he also wants to know two questions I don't feel comfortable like I can ans- answer with any expertise. Uh, NFL fantasy sleepers. I got nothing. Nope. I got nothing for I got you. Nothing. Yeah. Nope. Uh, we can have – we'll have Stephen on before the season starts and we can talk fantasy sleepers, stuff like that. Stephen Ruiz is our NFL expert at – for the win and uh an nfl writer so good that it makes me want to watch the nfl more uh that's 100 percent true he's phenomenal my real life friend daily uh at das naysayer on on twitter uh this is an easy one we'll get through this one quick if i enter a building and go up one flight of stairs did i go from the first floor to the second floor the ground floor to the first floor or other Ground floor to the first floor. What? Yep, yeah. No. That's how we do it, yes. Wait. The ground floor. No, no. Yes, 100%. How does that work? Because you're on the ground floor. So you're on the, you're on the, you're above the, f- the floor that you enter in, and you're not on the, you're not on the second floor? Yeah, the ground floor is always the ground floor, and then it's one, two, three, four afterward. No, that's not how it works. That's that's a hundred. This is like this is one of these things. Uh, Daily, I should say, is like an expert in knowing things that that will divide people like this. <laughs> well, like that, where like where like half of the people are like, what? no, wait, right. that's not how it's, it works. It's, that, it's the dress controversy all over again. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is like a walking dress controversy. Uh, so, but no, but like, so my my apartment is on the ground floor, and it's it is. Uh, it is one. It is the first floor. That's the the first floor is the floor you enter on. Yeah, the first floor that you enter on is it's not number 1, it's just the ground floor. No, here it's number 1. I enter on number I enter at number 1. Yeah, we're going to we could argue about this for the next like minute and a half, but I have Yeah, you, well you're wrong. Uh we can just move on. I I don't buy that at all. You enter on the first floor or the ground floor. There they you can call them whatever you want. I but... I don't know if this is a cultural thing or a regional thing or whatever, but I know that like all over India, and this is how we grew up, is that there's the ground floor, and then the elevator numbers start going, like one, two, three, four, five, six. After that, huh? 
Yeah, um, I think it's because there's generally there is like nothing on the ground floor. Like that basement level is like storage space and where the guard sleeps, at least in my aunt and uncle's building, right, is like it's just like elevator bays and stuff like that. So they don't even count that really as a floor. So the first floor is always where the residences start. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just letting you know. We're going to have to agree to disagree. I've never <laughs> been to, Indi- I've never been to India, so I can't speak to that. Uh, last question and we'll make it quick. Cause I know you have to run. Uh, it, this is from at Stexvex at STXB. And he wants to know, I only ask, I'm only, I want to take this question because I have, uh, experience with this. So he, he wants to know NBC's Olympic channel will mm-hmm. probably just fill space with track and field, but if it were to popularize other sports, what would you like them to be? And I want to take this because I actually sort of indirectly worked for NBC's Olympic channel once upon a time. Uh, the, the outfit that became, it was bought by NBC Universal and I think ultimately became, uh, NBC's Olympic Channel was once called WCSN.com, World Championship Sports Network, and I worked there. And I can say that we did a, a whole lot of filler programming because um, we streamed stuff live online. And the sport that I came away, the only, and I, and you know, I hate Olympic sports. I'm not, I'm just not into the Olympics at all. The sport I came away, really? yeah, not, uh, I did not, not at all. That. Okay. Uh, I just, right. I find races boring. Someone runs faster than the other people. That's all that ever happens. Um, but the sport that I came away loving is Sepactacraw. Do uh, are you familiar with this sport? No. Uh, Sepactacraw is wild, and it is... Is it, a, is it an Olympic sport? Um, no, but I, I happen to know we ran it on WCSN.com, so I, mm-hmm. I think that it may show up on the Olympic channel. Uh, I don't think it's an Olympic sport. I think it's been like a... Sometimes they do like uh, like show sports for the Olympics. I don't know what they call them. They're like... Um, especially if it's in a regional sport, well, they'll have like a mini Olympics uh, for the, for that sport, and I think it's been that. Um, and it's so it's basically volleyball, but you play with your feet. And these people are it's like all bicycle kicks, like soccer bicycle kicks, like they're just like flipping and kicking, and it's like this crazy hacky sack tennis volleyball hybrid. And it, they they it's like it's one of these things where like unless you see the video and watch them do it, you like couldn't really even conceive of how good these people might be at this sport. And they're so good at this sport. <laughs> that is a hundred percent bizarre, and I'm convinced you're actually making that up. No, look up Sepactacraw, and if I probably if you Google the Michael Jordan of Sepactacraw, you'll you'll find an article I wrote because right. I definitely My called someone that. So much more pedestrian because I was like, they should just show a ton more surfing because that's a sport that I would really like to watch more of. I would I watch them. Cool. I would watch them surfing. Do they? How I like to watch wipeouts. Do they wipe out a lot? Uh, I assume they wipe out a lot. From what I've seen, it's like it won't. It's it's weird because all the, you know, the stuff that makes the headlines is like the big wave surfing. So it's like that's a lot of wipeouts and it's like really dramatic. And then regular surfing, you're you're kind of watch it and you're like, oh, I could do that. No, <laughs> I couldn't. You, are, you might. And I know, yeah, exactly. Like we we definitely still could not do that. Um, but I think the big wave surfing is like more dramatic. But I think the Olympic Channel should just show a lot of surfing because it's going to be a sport and. I would hope more people watch it. Uh, I will just say to that point 
and it's only vaguely related. I don't know that water skiing is an Olympic sport. I don't think it is. Uh, if you're ever really in, a, in the mood to, to amuse yourself with dumb stuff online, just go, just YouTube water skiing fails. And it is like a series of the greatest videos you'll ever watch in your life. I will take your word it's for it. It's just people two... wiping out on water skis, and yeah, every time it's two funny. things that now I have to do. Yeah, okay. Um, what's the other one? The Sepactocrar, or whatever you oh, call it. Oh, right, right. Um, and we got a book recommendation. We got everything. But you got to go. Uh, thanks. So so thank you, uh, Hamill, for uh, joining me for today. Thanks for having me. And you can check out and the... F- yelling at me about Ken Jennings. Uh, well, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, we have to engage debate, right? Or whatever it is. Yeah. Embrace debate. Um, check out the For the Win podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all of those places. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back with more next week. Hemel, peace out. Bye, Ted.